we're going to be looking at uh, from the scripture uh, in the book of Romans. Amen. Book of Romans, the eighth chapter, and uh, beginning at the thirty-seventh verse. Reading from the New King James Version, and it says there, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels or principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And we want to thank God for the reading of his word on today. And uh, we're going to be looking at, and we're going to be talking about, amen, a very serious subject on today. And uh, our subject is, is suicide unforgivable? Can you say that with me? Is suicide unforgivable? And that's the question that's before us today. And uh, what we're going to uh, be doing on today as we approach this topic, and uh, it kind of weighs, amen, on our hearts and minds uh, on today because there are many people that are touched by this topic. Many families, amen. I can personally say that uh, my family uh, has been touched uh, when it comes to the topic of suicide. And uh, I had a call uh, on last week with one of the members of our church, and uh, there's a former member of our church that had been going through, and, uh, uh, and he was very concerned, and the subject of suicide had come up, and uh, that member began to ask me some questions. And uh, he asked me some questions over the phone. And I said, well, you know what? Um, that's a topic that now that I, 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 I look back and I think about it, I've never really addressed it uh, from the Word of God, from the standpoint of the Word of God. And uh, it's a topic that uh, in this metro area that we live in, uh, in recent years has known more than its share of suicide events. And it's possible that you or somebody in your family has been touched very deeply by this tragic event at some time in their life. And uh, as we delve into this uh, question today, is suicide unforgivable? Uh, I want you to look at it from the standpoint, maybe, maybe you've never uh, had an issue with suicide, but there can come a point where you might have to minister to someone. You might have to talk to someone. And so what we're going to try to do today is we're going to try to deal with the pain and the tragedy of suicide, and we're going to talk about how Christians can respond with meaningful ministry. I'd like to read, amen, uh, a few letters that uh, had access to it. It says, Dear Sir, my name is Carol, 
I'm 17 years old and a senior in high school. And I want to die. Another one said, my name is Brandon. I'm 13 years old and I tried to kill myself six times. I've had some problems with my mom. And I felt like I couldn't live anymore. I don't know what to do anymore. My life has been a nightmare. And I've lived all my life without love. I hurt everybody around me. And I come to the end of the line and I can't go on anymore. I've ruined enough lives. I don't have anywhere else to go. I hurt so much. I can't stand it anymore. My name is Bobby. I don't want to die. But it's like the only thing I feel would work. I've had so much pressure at home and at school. I have so much pressure with my friends. No one expects me to have problems, but I'm, uh, and, and they think that I'm always happy, but I'm always hurting inside. I hate my life. I think about suicide. I just know tomorrow is going to bring more pain. Sometimes there's so much hurt that I can't stand it. This person didn't give their name, but it's signed on the edge. I'd like to talk with you about another young lady. Her name is Lori. Lori was 14 years old when she was baptized in Blue Springs Community Church, a one-room country church with uh, only a few miles from her home. But a few months later, Lori dropped out of church. The pastor and his wife visited her, visited her several times, but failed to persuade Lori to return to church. Everyone was concerned for her, but no one suspected the real reason for her absence. Lori was pregnant. About a month before she was expected to deliver, Lori tidied up her room, emptied her school locker, and wrote a note to her mother. And in her note, she said, you kept asking me if I was okay. And I kept telling you that I was. But I wasn't okay. I'm sorry, Mom. I've got too many problems. And I'm taking the easy way out. Lori left that day before her mother arrived home from work, and she walked to the railroad tracks near her house. She knelt between the rails, folded her hands over her little round belly as an Amtrak 168 barreled down upon her. The train engineer, a man who had a 14-year-old daughter of his own, later said that when he saw Lori, it was too late for him to stop the train. He watched her cross herself before she died. And then the last one I'll share with you, Matt, was 19 years old, had recently obtained his GED. He was still living at home, and Matt was working a full-time job uh, at one of the local industries. Played in a rock band with several friends, had a loving girlfriend. Things seemed to be going in the right direction for Matt. His friends were supportive. He seemed to be enjoying what he was doing, and uh, there was an optimism for his future as he and his girlfriend progressed to build a steady relationship. But something 
was happening on the inside of man. Anger had built up inside of him. His mom had attempted to intervene, but every time she attempted to get close, it always seemed to escalate into a fight of some sort. As her only child, Matt was the pride of her life. Yet she couldn't seem to reach uh, out in the way that she intended. Matt's father had divorced his mom early in Matt's life and wanted nothing to do with him. In the brokenness of his relationship with both parents, and a feeling of despair and hopelessness began to well up inside of Matt. He wanted, uh, and so late one night, when he came home from work, Matt went into the garage, found an extension cord, which he proceeded to wrap around one of those beams. He then placed it tightly around his neck, walked off the steps that led into the garage. His mother was the first one to find him the next day. These are just a few excerpts of people that took the drastic step of suicide. And the topic of suicide, suicide has been said to be a permanent solution to a temporary problem. The name suicide comes from the Latin word sui, which means oneself, and sida, meaning to kill. The statistics show us a wide range of people have contemplated committing suicide. Over 25,000 Americans commit suicide every year. Over one million will try, but only one out of 15 will succeed. It is the 10th highest killer in the U.S. More will die by suicide than by murder. The model age for attempting suicide is 32 for men and 27 for women. The model age of succeeding is 50, between 50 and 54 for men and women. Men kill themselves twice as often as women. But women attempt suicide twice as often as men. There are over 5,000 suicides among teenagers each year. 24,000 college students will attempt suicide in a year. It is the second highest cause of death among young people aged 15 to 24, surpassed only by accident. 13 young adults each day consider life not worth living. And one report indicated that as many as 12% of all school-age children will contemplate suicide at least once in their formative years. Now, while the Bible does not actually include, you can turn with me down a little bit, uh, does not actually include the word suicide. There are at least seven different times in the scriptures that it's recorded that a person took their life. And uh, when I think about those uh, seven individuals uh, that attempted suicide, uh, 
The first one we find in the book of Judges, the ninth chapter. It's one of the sons of Gideon. His name was Amalek. And he committed suicide as a wicked ruler. He killed his 70 brothers in order to rule Israel. And during a revolt, a woman dropped a millstone on his head from a tower above. And before he was to die, Amalek called for his armor bearer and asked him to kill him because he didn't want it to be said that he had been killed by a woman. Talk about man. Uh, there's another one that uh, in Judges uh, 16 where it talks about Samson. And uh, we remember the story of Samson who fell in love with Delilah and eventually allowed the Philistines to know how God granted his strength according to his Nazarite vow. After the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes, they chained him to the pillars that held uh, in the temple, in their temple, uh, for their god Dagon, and uh, eventually Samson's head began to grow, and Samson prayed and said, "Lord, if you give me my strength back, I'm going to tear this." And I paraphrase, but he said, "I'm going to pull this house down on my enemies." And he said, "Let me die with my enemies." Uh, there's another one that's recorded in the Bible, 1 Samuel 31. This is the first king of Israel, Saul, and his men were fighting the Philistines. And when the uh, battle grew fierce, an archer critically wounded Saul with an arrow. It was then that Saul asked his armor bearer to draw his sword and to run him through so that he would die. He didn't want to take a chance on being uh, tortured by the Philistines. When his armor bearer hesitated, uh, Saul took his own sword and fell on it and died. And the interesting thing is when his armor bearer saw Saul die, he committed suicide himself. You see, a lot of times people don't realize that not only what they do to themselves, but what they do to themselves can affect others around them. There was another one whose name was uh, Ahipophel. Uh, he was uh, a counselor uh, during uh, David's uh, uh, time as king. And Ahipophel began to counsel David's son, Absalom. And when Ahipophel uh, found out that Absalom didn't follow his counsel. He saddled his donkey, rode home, got his house in order, and committed suicide. That's kind of serious. There's another one that is found uh, in the Bible. His name was Zimmy. And uh, Zimmy is another one that the Bible records that uh, committed suicide. See, Zimmy murdered the king of Israel, Eli, and took his place. And when the rest of Israel learned what happened, they pursued him. And Zimrah retreated to the king's palace. There, he set it on fire and stayed in, and, and stayed in there and was burned up himself. That's found in 1 Kings, 
the 16th chapter. Probably the most memorable suicide account in all of the Bible in the New Testament is the suicide of Judas Iscariot. He was one of Jesus' disciples. Sold him out to the Roman authorities. And in Matthew 27, it tells us that when Judas saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse and he went away and hung himself in despair. So from those uh, accounts in the scripture of those who committed suicide, we're able to gain a window of insight into the thoughts and expressions experienced by people that are contemplating suicide. Amen. Some of those thoughts are hopelessness, despair, and utter disappointment. Now, not only do we have uh, seven listed suicides in the Bible, but there are also other scriptures that discuss the temptation of suicide. In fact, we learn through the Bible that even some of the very best individuals were tempted to commit suicide. I want you to take, for example, uh, and I don't know if you really looked at it like this. I know I hadn't really looked at it like this before. Uh, but in fact, we learned uh, through the Bible, take Jesus as an example. During his struggles in the wilderness, the devil took Jesus to a high place and said to him, throw yourself down. Notice, if you will, Satan's weapon of choice against Jesus. Satan tried to get Jesus to short-circuit his purpose. Y'all listening to me? He tried. He, he said, you, you, you're coming to die anyway. But let's just speed up the process. And instead of letting dying on the cross, why don't you just jump off? Bible says he'll give his angels charge over you. Lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus used the word of God and said, Amen. It was also written, Tempt not the Lord my God. Uh, talking about the temptation to commit suicide. Not only did Jesus struggle uh, with it, but uh, Paul as well. When you think about uh, the scriptures, how uh, Paul wrote to the church at Philippi, and he shared, he said, for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I'm going to go on living in the body, then that will mean uh, fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I don't know. I'm torn in two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. But there is a more necessity that I remain with you in the body. 
So as it seems, amen, Paul also struggled with the longing to see Christ and to expedite matters instead of completing his ministry through God's time. There have been others. And, you know, I can speak from experience. There was a time in my life uh, when the enemy tried to get me to short-circuit my purpose and to think that I didn't have anything to live for. To think that my family would be better off without me. And, uh, uh, and it seemed like that those kinds of thoughts would intensify at night. The temptation. And sometimes we don't actually use the word suicide, but sometimes we like to dress it up and say, well, maybe I'll just get in my car and just drive away and not tell anybody where I'm going. No matter how you dress it up. It's the enemy trying to uh, play it upon our frailties. Oh, is anybody listening to me? Hallelujah. But what we need to understand, even though those types of temptations occur, the Bible plainly uh, states that suicide is unacceptable. As Christians, our lives have been bought and paid through the blood of Jesus Christ and sacrifice. Paul shares uh, in 1 Corinthians 6.19, he says there, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own. I hear that argument, and, 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 and I know it's a, it's a, it's, it's a touchy issue. Uh, not talking about abortion today, but many uh, that are pro-choice and are marching and, and, and very vocal. And I hear the women saying, it's my body, and it's my right to choose. And I guess they don't consider when it says, but do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Who's in you? Whom you have from God? And you are not your own. For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit. Which are God. And then there's another uh, passage of scripture in Romans 4, verses 7 and 8. And in Romans 4 and 7, it says, For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we're the Lord's. Amen. 
See, when a person uh, when a person commits suicide, it's a it can be a very selfish and unthinking act, designed only to uh, uh, gratify or codify uh, themselves. But what they don't consider, they don't consider the remorse for those that are connected to them and those that are around them. Like I said about uh, Saul's armor bearer, sometimes the actions of one can cause uh, others to follow suit. And in those circumstances, a person does not consider God or his plan for their life. But there are other times when uh, suicide can be the result of mental illness, incapacity. A rational fault. Some people who go through the difficulty, amen, uh, have various uh, mental illnesses, suffer from severe depression. And those that suffer from severe depression can be dangerously susceptible, susceptible to suicide, especially if they're not receiving medical treatment and counseling. There are a wide range of thoughts and feelings and actions that are present in suicide. Wide range of thoughts, feelings, and actions that are present in suicide. And it leads us to the question that's our subject today. Is suicide unforgivable? And of course, it's important to point out at the very beginning that this is a slanted question. It's a slanted question. And the reason that uh, it is a slanted question is because for many years, conventional thought in many churches, they thought that suicide was an unforgivable act or an unforgivable sin. Augustine, you know, sometimes there are uh, views that we hold and opinions that we have or believe. And a lot of times uh, we don't really know where those, uh, you know, where we got them from. And uh, Augustine was a theologian. Uh, he lived in, uh, he was born in 354 A.D., died in 430 A.D., and Augustine of Hippo, or better known, or uh, also known as St. Augustine, was a theologian and philosopher of Berber origin, and a bishop of Hippo Regis in Numidia which is in North Africa. And uh, Augustine argued in the fifth century that suicide was a violation of the sixth commandment. Thou shalt not murder. And then later, and 
and Augustine was very influential. He, he, he's considered to be a saint in the Catholic Church. And then later, Thomas Aquinas, being Catholic and believing that confession of sin must be made prior to departure from one world into the next. Thomas Aquinas taught that suicide was the most fatal of all sins because the victim could not repent of it. And this was based on the fact that if a person dies while they're committing a sinful act, they are unable then to confess that sin and to ask for forgiveness. So what I'm saying is that many uh, uh, of the ideas and the thoughts concerning suicide originated with the teaching of Augustine and also Thomas Aquinas. Catholic. Now, I believe that these are incredibly damaging and unbiblical views. And I believe that these two ideas, uh, or these ideas can be re uh, re easily refuted. And all I need to do is ask you two questions. First question that I'd like to ask is, of all of us, do we sin? The obvious answer is yes. In fact, the Bible said all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And I believe over in the book of John, it talks about that if we say we have no sin, then we deceive ourselves. So, man, you're all kind of quiet out there. I want to see you still walk. Do we all sin? All right? The second question, then, is have you confessed each and every sin that you committed in your life? No. And the obvious answer to that is no. We haven't confessed. Now, the Bible said if we confess our sins, he's faithful and willing to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But there are sins of omission and sins of commission. Things we do that are wrong and things we don't do that we should do. And there are times when there's some things that all of us do that we're not even aware of it being a sin. And you know the enemy likes to play uh, on people's minds. But you know what? God does not want us walking around in egg, on, on, like we're walking around on eggshells. So the obvious answer is uh, have you confessed each and every sin that was committed in your life, in your lifetime? The obvious answer to that is no. No, you haven't. But you know what the scripture says? Amen. In John 5, 24, the scripture said, most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word 
and believes in him who sent me has eternal life and shall not come into judgment but has passed from death to life. Oh, do you hear what the word is saying? You see, we're not saved by how good we are. We're not saved by works, lest any man could boast. But we are saved, amen, by the sacrifice he became sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So those that want to say that suicide is unforgivable, they attempt to make suicide an elevated sin, a sin that is heightened to a status that even God himself cannot forgive. And that's a problem. Y'all still with me? Yeah. Amen. That's a problem. You see, uh, when they heighten it like that, uh, there are two problems with it. The first is that such a stance limits the condition by which God can or cannot forgive someone. Right. And essentially what you're trying to do or what they're trying to do is put God in a box. Right. And I'm here to tell you, uh, you're not going to put God in a box. You're not going to do it. Secondly, there is only one unpardonable sin that's ever mentioned in the Bible. And that's in Matthew 12 and 31. Jesus said, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men. But blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. Now, do you think when he say every, he meant every? Do you think Jesus know what every means? Every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, men, women, boys, but blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. Now, another time, I'm going to teach on uh, exactly what is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit because the devil likes to try to confuse people and make them think that they oh, you, you committed the unforgivable sin. Suicide is not the unforgivable sin. Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is the unforgivable sin. And, and, and the person, uh, you know, uh, you know, walking in front of a church and spitting on the ground or uh, saying a curse word, that's not blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. It takes a special individual to commit blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. And like I said, I, I, I don't have time today, but I'll take time in another message and we'll talk about what actually uh, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is. But you can see, you can't elevate suicide and say that it's unforgivable because Jesus said there's only one unforgivable sin. Now, it is important to be cautious right. in our approach to this issue. Right. 
Again, suicide cannot be condoned. And it should be dealt, and it cannot be dealt with lightly. I would say, from, from, from looking at the scripture, uh, I would say that not every person who has committed suicide will go to heaven. That's the first thing that I would say. Notice what I'm saying. Not every person who committed suicide is going to make it to heaven. Not every person. And I would also say not every person who has committed suicide will go to hell. In essence, those are decisions that are not ours anyway. But they are God's. And God's going to judge righteously. And God's going to judge mercifully. And, and, and none of us know the state of mind that an individual might be in that committed suicide. You know, a lot of times we think we know people. But there have been people who committed suicide that you thought they had life made. And then there's also the issue of people with incurable disease and who get tired of the chemo and get tired of being prodded and poked right. and they get tired right. and they begin to say you know what I'm done right. I don't want to do this anymore and they have a right to choose that's why they have consent forms right they have a right to choose whether to continue or to discontinue. And that's not suicide. That's, that's, those are decisions that should not be entered into lightly. But there are also decisions that and, 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 and I've been in situations with family members and who were counting on my counsel in order to reinforce their choice. And I told them, I said, that's your choice. And even in the midst of that choice, if you change your mind, or you, and, 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 and if you're too weak to say a word, if you just squeeze my hand, amen, I'm here to make sure 
that we are following your instruction. See, sometimes in our desire that things be cut and dry or black and white, we run headlong into extremist views without allowing compassion and mercy to be present. And unfortunately, the church has frequently sided or erred on the side of judgment rather than mercy. I've known churches that have refused to host a funeral service. For someone who would commit suicide. In years past, people who committed suicide were not allowed to be buried in church cemeteries. Next to their family. And in those instances, the church has lost a critical opportunity to minister. And has unfortunately turned people away from the loving presence of God. But it's, it, it's still very important that we uh, approach it cautiously. It's important that we minister effectively in such critical times as these. And if you are contemplating suicide, or if you know someone that might be contemplating suicide, I'd like to Amen. Close out with some uh, insights to help. And I've listed them for you to be able to have. And it's important that if a person is contemplating suicide, you don't want to leave them alone. You want to stay with the person. If you believe that that person is in danger of carrying out uh, a plan, you don't want to leave them alone. You want to wait with the person until medical help arrives or the crisis is passed. You want to listen. Encourage the person to talk to you. Refrain from just giving pat answers that can further depress the person who's on the verge of giving up. Listen and empathize with the person. And while listening to them, to kind of assess, uh, ask them, do you have a plan? What's, what's your plan? You know, some people say, I, I, I'm just done. I'm just done. I can't take it no more. I, I'm, I'm ready to leave here. All right, what's your plan? If they don't have a plan, you, you, you might have some time. But if that person tells you, well, uh, I'm planning on leaving at such and such a time, and uh, there's a train that comes by on a regular basis, and I think I'm just going to drive my car and stop it on the tracks and get hit by the train, that person has a plan. So you always want to see where they are by listening. Encourage the person to talk to. You want to urge them to get professional help. Stress 
the necessity of getting help. And finally, be supportive. Show the person that you care. Do what you can to help that person feel worthwhile and valuable. Don't be afraid. You know, sometimes don't, don't tell anybody. What do you mean don't tell anybody? This, this, this is not a time to try to save face. I'm trying to save your life. You're not just going to dump this on me. We're going to get you some help. Are you crazy? 
tragedy of, and, and, and I experienced it at University of Illinois Champaign-Urbana when I was in college, and there are other universities around the country that they experience a rush of suicides around finals or shortly after finals. There are people that are under, are students that are under so much pressure to succeed until when, and there's some that they didn't get the A or B, they got the C. And I don't know what it is with this, this idea, idea of jumping out of a building and killing yourself. But I've seen it happen when I was in college. We had some students that did. Amen. And I heard of students that have done it recently. We've got to be sensitive. We've got to be prayerful. We've got to be uh, 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 supportive. In, in, in the areas that we talked about. Amen. We've got to, we, 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 you know, uh, got to ask God to give us discernment. And sometimes when people are saying they're okay, we got to look beyond, you know, saying, oh, I'm okay. And when God puts somebody on your heart to pray for them, pray. Lord, I don't know what's going on, but you disturbed my sleep. But Lord, I'm willing to give up some sleep because they're worth it. They're worth it. I wanna, I wanna close and with a quote. And the quote says, and I'll, I'll tell you said it, but I want to close with the quote that said, I believe that as Christians we should worry less about whether Christians who have killed themselves go to heaven and worry more about how we can help people like them find hope and joy in living. Our most urgent problem is not the morality of suicide, but the spiritual and mental despair that drags people down to it. Loved ones who have died at their own hands, we can safely trust to our gracious God. Loved ones whose spirits are even now slipping so silently Toward death, these are our burdens. This was by Lewis Smiles, professor of theology and ethics at the Fuller Theological Seminary. Church, let's be on the lookout. Church, let's be sensitive. And let's do all in our power. Amen. Let's not, you know, let's not argue about where they go. You can't put them anywhere anyway. I can't put them anywhere anyway. But one thing I'm not going to do is I don't want to close off doors to be able to minister to not only them, 
but their family as well. We want to be a church that cares and a church that loves. Did you get anything from the word today? As we prepare to close out our services uh, here at Bethel, and we're going to uh, first Sunday, we're going to have communion. And uh, to those that are uh, in our live stream audience before we close out, uh, I'd like to just take out time. There might be somebody uh, listening. Maybe listening. Maybe you're, you've been contemplating suicide. And I believe that God had me to uh, talk about this today just for you. He loves you. He cares about you. He loves you with a love that will not let you go. And I'd like to just reach out to you in prayer. And so if that's you, if you, amen, have been dealing with suicidal thoughts or the temptation uh, to suicide, and, and, and uh, you think that your problems are too big for you, I'm here to tell you they're just right for God. Can I get an amen? amen. He specializes in things that seem impossible. And he had me on and he had you tuned in today so that I could pray for you. And when we get through praying, if you would give some feedback and say, Pastor, amen, I heard you today. And I thank you for your prayers. And Bethel, amen, join in with me. Let's look away to God. Heavenly Father, Lord, we lift up those individuals who are walking through the valley of the shadow of death. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. Lord, I thank you for being a good shepherd. And I thank you. I thank you how uh, when Paul was in prison and when you shook the jail, when you shook the jail and the chains fell off, how that the keeper of the prison was about to commit suicide. And Paul cried out, do thyself no harm. I make that same cry and declaration that Paul made. Do thyself no harm. We're here. And we're here to help. Devil, can you say it with me? Do thyself no hope. We're here. And we're here to help. And that jailer came in for sale. And he fell down on his knees. And said, what must I do to be saved? And that jailer was baptized. And his whole house. That very night. Lord. 
somebody that is committing or, or contemplating doing themselves harm, we say, do thyself no harm. We're here to help. Lord Jesus, be a very present help in that situation, in that circumstance. Lord, if their mind is clouded, if the enemy is trying to get to influence them and making them think that their time has passed, Lord God, give them to know, do not short-circuit your destiny. Do not, do not short-circuit your destiny. I shall live and not die and declare the glory of God. I shall live, you shall live and not die. And we declare, you will declare the glory of God. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you. Oh, did somebody feel that? Lord, I thank you for hearing our prayer. I thank you for meeting that sister, that brother, me right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for my life. I thank you for my life. I thank you for my life. The thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. But you come that we might have life. And that more abundant. Lord, I thank you for life. Hallelujah. If you pray with us, let us know. Just let us know. Amen. YouTube, Facebook, let us know. Pastor, I prayed with you. And prayer made a difference. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Prayer made a difference in my life. Ah, my God. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done and for what you're doing. And as we close out our live stream on today, amen, I just feel like something good is about to happen. I just feel like something good is on your way. I just feel that he didn't teach you to swim to let you drown. He didn't lift you up to let you down. Have a great week. And be blessed. Hallelujah. Somebody help me pray.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I believe there's a funeral that's not going to have to happen. Amen. I believe some funerals have been in birth, uh, uh, have been, what's the word I want? Interrupted. Amen. It ain't time to leave. Amen. It's not time to leave. It's time to live. That's a good one. My, 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 my. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. As they're coming, amen. He pulls us out on our live stream. As they're coming, amen. We're going to pray God's blessing over our elements for uh, communion on today. And uh, I'd like to read the scripture. Concerning the Lord's Supper found in 1 Corinthians 11 and 23. It says, For I have received of the Lord that which was also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament of the New Covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whosoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself for not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, there are many who are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. And if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together for judgment. And the rest, I'll set in order when I come. Thank you. Amen. Present the elements we're going to play. Heavenly Father, we just ask right now that you would bless this bread and this juice and let it represent your body and blood and our new covenant in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. 